Hello, hello. If you are an ambitious female professional who wants to up-level your voice and your confidence, I have a super important announcement that you are not going to want to miss. Right now, enrollment is open for my signature coaching program, The Art of Speaking Up Academy. If you are looking for a simple but powerful step-by-step process to help you learn to speak like an executive and to help you feel more badass and unstoppable deep down inside, this is the program for you. To learn more, head over to jessguzzickcoaching.com slash academy. Enrollment is open through Wednesday, March 20th. That's jessguzzick, J-E-S-S-G-U-Z-I-K, coaching.com slash academy. All right. Let's get on to the episode. Make your choices of what actions you take based on what you want to do and not based on where those feelings of not enoughness and unworthiness and imposter syndrome try to take you. That is the magic golden combination for your professional success. You will find you'll have more energy at work, you'll be having more fun, and your performance will be higher, and your reputation will be better. Literally everything starts to get better. Welcome to The Art of Speaking Up, a podcast that helps professional women access the limitless potential that lies within them. I'm your host, Jessica Guzik. And my mission is to help you find that spark inside you that has the power to transform your career in ways you may not have thought possible. I'm so excited that you're here. And now, on to the show. Welcome to the show. Hi, it's good to have you here. I'm Jessica. Thank you for coming into my space, into my podcast. It's an honor to have you here. Welcome. This is part three of this three-part series on the single most important thing for your career success. And if you've been listening to this series, you know that the topic of professional reputation is really important to me. It is really close to my heart And that's why I feel so much excitement and eagerness and urgency and just emotion around this topic. And I think the reason that I feel that is because it connects back to me and my personal experience in terms of my own professional reputation. And I'm going to share a little bit about that here because I think this is really important and I think that this might help you feel less alone if you have any fears or insecurities that come up as you think about your professional reputation. I think my passion for this topic stems in part from the fact that I had so much doubt about my own capabilities and such an intense sense of imposter syndrome and not enoughness in my career that I really really undersold myself in some really significant ways. And I even had a wake-up call moment where I was applying for jobs and I had gotten this job offer for this job that I did not really want, 
but I thought that I wanted it. And a mentor of mine was like, why do you want this job? Like, this job doesn't look great. Like, why are you going for this? And I had this moment where I realized like, oh my gosh, I think so poorly of myself that I'm not going for the things that I want. I'm going for something that I don't, that I think I wouldn't like actually, because there's this subconscious belief that I have, that I had, that that's all I could get. And when I think about the topic of professional reputation, my sense of myself was so shaky that it terrified me to think about what my professional reputation was. And I made all these assumptions that it must be really bad and really horrible and I must have a really wobbly professional reputation because I felt really wobbly inside. And as a result, I really undersold myself. And luckily, I didn't end up taking that job. I turned down that job offer and just kept on searching until I found something that I actually felt excited about and that I actually wanted to do and was actually a good match for my talent and all that I had to offer. But if I hadn't had that moment of realizing how much I was underestimating myself, I would have accepted this job offer and gone into a role that I'm pretty sure would have made me miserable. In fact, I am certain it would have made me miserable because it was not a fit for what I enjoy. It was just there and available and the thing that I thought was the most accessible to me, even though that wasn't true. And I think it can feel so delicate and so scary to step into this belief that you are strong and powerful and capable and to step into this belief that you can indeed cultivate and have a very powerful reputation, even if maybe inside you don't always feel that way. That is okay. A compelling, strong professional reputation is still available to you and you get to grow into it, right? So you get to practice cultivating it and building it and showing up as the person who has that reputation before you 100% feel confident, before you feel like you're that woman, right? So much of growth and so much of confidence is about taking that little action, even though you don't fully feel ready. And even though part of you feels like, well, I'm not there yet. It is in taking that leap and taking that action anyway that brings you the confidence later. So this is important to me. It's important to me because I know the feeling of being deeply insecure. I know the feeling of underestimating yourself. And I just want to invite you into this idea that I hold so close and so dear to my heart, which is that you are allowed to aspire for more and aspire for a strong professional reputation and aim high, even in the moments where you feel like crap and even in the moments where you're doubting yourself. I think it's so easy for us to think that if we want to build these big, bold, amazing careers and have this big, powerful professional reputation, we better feel good and we better feel confident. And the truth is the way that I do growth, the way that I define confidence is bring on the messiness, bring on all the mess. You don't have to feel ready. You don't have to feel good. It doesn't have to always look pretty. That's okay. And in fact, when you can make room for all of the imperfection and the fear and the discomfort and you can move forward anyway, that is when you will build real confidence. That is when you will build confidence that is based on loving yourself and showing up for yourself unconditionally 
rather than confidence that's built on perfectionism and confidence that's built on you only, quote unquote, allowing yourself to go for it or allowing yourself to take the confident action or allowing yourself to love yourself and feel proud of yourself only when you're doing it, quote unquote, right and only when you're behaving, quote unquote, perfectly. And so I just want to invite you into this idea of messiness and this idea that you can feel insecure or low or crappy. And that doesn't mean that a powerful reputation and that doesn't mean that what I'm talking about here isn't for you and isn't available to you. And I think that this is so important to share because I think it's so easy to listen to these podcasts and consume all this stuff and think that like you should just feel amazing all the time and (laughs) be like this perfect person and that you're evolving into this perfect person that feels amazing all the time. And really, you're evolving into someone that can hold the full spectrum of your emotions, the full spectrum of your experience, and who can figure out how to move forward anyway, even with all of that complexity and sometimes with all of that messiness. So that's what I want to share with you. That's something that I wish I had heard. (laughs) If someone had told me, hey, you can feel shaky and insecure and you can feel really messy and you can still apply for the job that you actually want and like you can still just like go for what you want, (laughs) I would have been like, wait, I can, but I feel like I can't because I'm so scared and I feel so small. And so I'm telling you that you can. And I think this reminder that I'm sharing with you is especially important in the context of today's episode. Because today, I'm talking about the second ingredient that is part of your professional reputation, which is relationships. And I think relationships can bring out a lot of our insecurities and a lot of unworthiness. Because if you feel unworthy or you doubt yourself, and then you think about going out into the world and building relationships with people in your workplace and asking them to support you and be your advocate... If you feel unworthy, then the thought of going out and having people support you is going to bring that unworthiness to the surface. And so I think the topic of relationships is a delicate topic, but I also want you to know that even if you feel that way, that's okay too. You can make space for that fear. You can make space for that unworthiness. You can choose to be kind and compassionate to yourself, even when you feel that awful feeling of like, I'm a fraud and I'm so broken. How could I ever go out and build relationships and get other people to advocate for me professionally? Even if you have such painful feelings around that or such scared feelings around that, it doesn't mean that you can't do it and that you can't access this information and use this information in your career. It just means you got to make some space for those feelings, work out what you're feeling and why you're feeling that way, and start to metabolize that feeling so you can figure out a way of moving forward that feels really good for you. So today's episode is all about relationships and to circle back to part two so that you can see how this links together. In part two, I outlined the two ingredients that make up your professional reputation, which is one, the narrative, and two, the relationships. So the narrative is the story that people have about you in their heads. So Jessica is smart. Jessica is strategic. Jessica is a leader, right? That's the narrative. It's the story about you. And then the second ingredient, which I'm deep diving on in this episode, is relationships. And relationships are the interpersonal connection that you have with the people around you. Now, I have something very exciting that I created that came out so good and I'm I'm really happy with it and I can't wait for you to download it. 
I created a workbook that goes with episodes two and three that helps you take your professional narrative and take your relationships and use both of those things in a way that builds the reputation that you want, which is ultimately the thing that is going to get you promoted. So if you want to take all of the information that I'm sharing in these episodes and distill them down into very simple action that you can take at work to build your professional reputation and get you on the career trajectory that you desire, download the free, it is totally free, the free companion workbook that I created to go with this episode. You can grab it at the link in the show notes or in your URL. Just put in jessicasatcoaching.com slash professional reputation. And it's going to take all of this information and distill it into the action items because ultimately for you to build the career that you want, have the reputation that's going to feed the career that you want, you have to take action and you have to take what you're learning here And then go out and make different choices at work in terms of your behavior. And the workbook is going to guide you to do exactly that. You can grab it down in the show notes or at jessicasatcoaching.com slash professional reputation. And I suggest listening to these episodes and then running through the workbook. And if you want to re-listen to the episodes as you're doing the workbook, I think that will probably help bring more ideas to the surface for you. And with that, let's dive into relationships. And (laughs) I was outlining what I want to talk about with relationships. And as usual, I have 500,000 ideas. Sometimes I feel like my brain is like a clown car. You know, the clown car where like the door opens and then one clown gets out and then more clowns keep getting out. And you're like, how are there so many clowns in there? I feel that way every time. I record a solo episode because I start with one idea and then all of a sudden my brain is like a clown car and there are too many ideas that I can fit in one episode. And so I'm going to get through as much as I possibly can, keeping this episode a reasonable length, but I may do a follow-up solo episode to dive even deeper into this topic because it is literally so important. And actually, if I had to boil down all of the advice that I share with you on this show, everything that I talk about career-wise, if I had to boil it down to the one thing that matters most, the one piece of advice that will get you ahead in your career the most, hands down, no argument, no debate in my mind, for me, the one thing is relationships. The interpersonal relationships that you have with your coworkers, with your bosses, with leaders, with your professional network is hands down the most important ingredient in your professional growth and in you moving upward. There is no debate in my mind that that is the single thing. And so this topic of part three, how relationships impact your professional reputation, is so important that I can't only talk about it once. I will continue talking about it and helping you find ways to build professional relationships that feel really good <laughs> and feel feel authentic for you and not in ways that feel weird and bad and slimy because I know that when you're thinking about building professional relationships, especially when in some ways those relationships are a vehicle for your own success and your own professional growth, that can feel slimy, it can make you feel like a used car salesman, right? And it doesn't have to feel that way. And I don't want it to feel that way. And that's my goal for you. 
So here's what I'm going to talk about today. I'm going to talk a little bit about why relationships matter and why they're different from the narrative. And again, the narrative is like what people think about you in their heads, because I think it's really easy to confuse the two. And I don't want you to confuse them because they're different and they both matter and they both require your attention, but in different ways. And then the second piece that I'm going to talk about is ways that you build professional relationships. Like what do you actually do to build professional relationships? And the worksheet is going to help you brainstorm and prioritize what you specifically want to do to build professional relationships. And in this episode, I'm going to give you lots of ideas and a little bit of a framework to help you think about how you can put this into action. Again, hopefully in a way that feels good and authentic and not in a way that feels slimy and used car salesman-y. I think what I'm going to cover in a future episode, because I have a feeling this episode will get too long if I also try to cover that in this episode, is I'm going to be talking about all of the fears and icky feelings that might prevent you from fully leaning in to cultivate powerful professional relationships. Because there is so much fear and so much mindset stuff that goes into you feeling like you actually want to go out and cultivate professional professional relationships. And I want to walk you through those fears and help you understand them better and help you identify ways to move through them so that you don't get in your own way when it comes to building and nurturing these relationships. Because like I said, this is the most important thing for your career, literally the most important thing. Okay, so let's talk about how professional relationships are different from the narrative of your reputation. So again, your reputation consists of narrative plus relationships. Narrative are the thoughts people have about you and the thoughts that people have about your capabilities and your skills. You are a good project manager. You are a good communicator. You are good at your technical skills, right? That's the narrative. And the relationship is the interpersonal relationship. And I'm going to give you a silly example to help drive this point home so you can really see why this matters so much. So I want you to imagine that there is a concert venue in your city. And let's just say that we're living in this glorious, amazing post-COVID world (laughs) where we can happily go to large, packed, crowded venues without the fear of COVID spreading. So that's part of this scenario too. And I want you to imagine that you are booking, you have been asked to book a singer for the venue. And you have two singers that come to mind for you that you could book. Let's just call them Amy and Michelle. Amy and Michelle, in your mind, have the same reputation, the same exact narrative in your mind. The narrative you have about Amy and Michelle is Amy is a fantastic singer who would be perfect for this venue and you have the same exact narrative about Michelle. So Michelle, in your mind, is also a perfect singer who would be fantastic for this venue. When you think about their skills as musicians, as artists, when you think about their ability 
to be on the stage and hold the attention of all of the audience in the venue. You have the same narrative about Amy and Michelle. They are absolutely musically capable and talented enough to do that. Now, I also want you to imagine that you have no interpersonal relationship with Amy. You have never spent time with Amy. You only know the quality of her singing and her work. And I want you to imagine that Michelle is your best friend. Now, potential conflict of interest aside, we're going to put that to the side for now. Who are you going to book for the venue? If both Amy and Michelle have the same narrative, Amy and Michelle, you have the same thought that they're both really good singers, but you don't know Amy and Michelle as your best friend, who are you going to book for the venue? How are you going to do that tiebreaker? How are you going to decide? Now, this might feel really obvious to you. I know for me, when I walk myself through this exercise, it is very obvious. I am obvi (laughs) booking Michelle because she's my BFF, right? And I also want to point out that even though this is an imaginary scenario, things like this happen very often in real life. How often do you have a really good friend of yours who you know is job searching and you find a job that could be a match for them? I don't know about you, but like I run, I run, 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 hustle, hustle, hustle to match them with a job, to put them in as a reference, right? To to get them into that position. Now, if random Joe Schmo on the sidewalk tells me that he's job searching and he's like looking for a job and I happen to know about a job, I'm not necessarily going to support Joe as intensely as I'm going to support my friend, even if Joe is really skilled too, because my friend is my friend and I care about my friend in a way that I don't care about Joe. I might still help Joe, but it's not going to be with the same enthusiasm. And for sure, if there's only one position and I can either offer up my friend as a referral or I can offer up random Joe, who I don't know, and that rhymes, I'm totally offering my friend, right? Because she's my friend. And the reason that I'm giving you this example, and I know this probably feels really, really obvious, is that the narrative of your skills and what people think about your skills is not the only thing that impacts your professional reputation. What impacts your professional reputation is the combination of the narrative together with the interpersonal relationship. I cast Amy to play the venue. Oh, no, sorry, Michelle. (laughs) I'm confusing Amy and Michelle. I cast Michelle to play in the venue. And that's exactly how it's going to be for you in your career when there are decisions around getting promoted, um, putting people on really cool appealing projects, when there are decisions on whether you should be hired for a certain role. It is going to be both the narrative, right, what people think about your skills, and the relationship, the interpersonal relationship of the people that are in a position to advocate for you. And hiring decisions and promotion decisions always happen based on other people advocating for you. So when those other people have the interpersonal relationship with you, you become Michelle. You go from being Amy, the artist who I'm not friends with, to being Michelle, my BFF, who I'm totally going to book for the venue. Same as like you go from being Joe Schmo on the sidewalk to being the BFF who I'm trying to get in the position, right, who I'm trying to help because she's my friend. And I really want you to think about this in the day-to-day of your career. 
You can have people in your professional environment who see how talented you are, who see how smart your contributions are in meetings, and they can observe you and they can watch you. And just like I detailed out in part two, they can begin to form a powerful narrative in their minds about your skills and your capabilities. But if they lack an interpersonal relationship with you, their advocacy for you and on your behalf is not going to be as robust as if they have an interpersonal relationship with you in addition to them holding that really powerful narrative about your skills. So the magic combination here is when you have that powerful narrative and people see how skilled you are and people have an interpersonal connection with you. They have a relationship with you. They feel like they care about you and they know you as a human. That is the magic golden combination for your professional success. And I am going to point out something to you that is, it's honestly, it's disturbing, it's unfair, it doesn't make sense. It contributes to a lot of inequality in the workplace, but it's real and it's functioning. And so I have to call it out. Whenever it comes down to someone's narrative and their skills versus relationships in the workplace in terms of decisions of who's getting promoted, relationships win over skills. Now that is twisted and messed up, right? And that creates a lot of systemic inequality. And it shouldn't be that way. We should not be making promotion decisions in professional environments based more on relationships than on someone's actual skills, right? It, it, it creates a lot of negative and unfair outcomes. However, it is really part of human nature, deeply part of human nature for our perception of people to be heavily influenced by how close we feel to them and how much of a connection we feel with them. And that's that's just how we operate in so many ways. And so, of course, I think one of the things that this leads us to is that we need to be really aware of our biases and we need to be really aware of how this tendency might create unfair outcomes for people in a professional environment. And I also want you to be aware of this dynamic because I don't want you to fall behind or to miss out on opportunities because this dynamic exists and because you're missing out on the chance to connect with people in a way that is very authentic and in a way that will help you get chosen for the positions that you want and help you not fall into the trap of becoming Amy, the singer who's really good and talented, but because she lacks the personal relationship, doesn't get booked for the venue. And this can bring up a lot of insecurity, right? Because letting people in and building relationships with people and allowing people to get to know us can feel very vulnerable and scary. And I'm going to do an entire episode just on the vulnerability and scariness of it, but what I want to open your mind to in this particular episode is a couple of things. One, building relationships with people doesn't have to be 
this horrifying, <laughs> I'm laughing because like I'm thinking of like how I used to think about this topic, but like it doesn't have to be this horrifying, disgusting thing that makes you want to scream and run in the other direction. I know that it might feel like that. And if you're anything like I was, it probably does feel like that. You probably feel a sense of horror <laughs> at the idea of deepening your professional relationships, right? Especially with more senior people, especially with people who maybe have more power and authority in the workplace. That can feel terrifying. Like that can feel like a hard pass. No, thank you. But what I want to open your mind to is that it doesn't have to be a big thing. It doesn't have to be super dramatic. It can happen in small ways. And I also want to open your mind to the fact that it can be authentic, that you don't have to show up as some wacko version of yourself who, you know, like is acting all weird and fake. Like you don't have to do that, right? So I used to I used to really think that like at a networking event, the only way to talk to people was to be like gross and wacko and fake and weirdo. Like I didn't know how to be in a room and talk to people. It just it made me feel disgusting. I was like, I need to leave. This is so fake. This is so horrible. And what I realized was like, no, I was just thinking that I needed to be fake. And I was thinking that I couldn't just like say hi to someone like a normal person. And I thought the networking room was the problem. <laughs> and really, I say this with so much love. I was the problem because my brain wasn't open to the possibility that I could just be myself and connect authentically. And that's what I want to open you to the possibility of. I want to open your mind to the possibility that this can be in baby steps, this can be totally digestible, this can feel not super horrifying, and it can feel authentic and real for you. And I think what you'll find, which is what I found, is I actually went from hating this idea of professional relationships and just feeling like I needed to hide from everyone to actually deeply cherishing and valuing the professional re relationships that I built. And I think what we forget about is what it's going to feel like on the other side when we have this deeper connection with someone and we've built so much trust and there's a mutual support that's been built like we, I feel like our mind just like quickly goes to the sliminess and the fakeness. And I don't know about you. I'm an introvert on like Myers-Briggs and just an introvert personality wise. Right. So I think our mind automatically goes to like, ew, I'm an introvert. Like I can't act like an extrovert. Ew, ew, ew. But I think what we forget is like even us introverts, like we love those deep connections. We get so nurtured by those relationships. And I think it's like we're thinking that that's not possible. Right. Like we're thinking it has to be horrifying. And so I want to open your mind up to the fact that it doesn't have to be. And I'm going to share with you a couple of ideas on how you can begin to take steps to strengthen your professional reputation and to strengthen your relationships so that you get booked <laughs> to play in the venue. That is the goal. And I'm going to invite you into a framework that really helps me think about how you deepen relationships. And I think this framework is going to help you. And I think it'll also help you with some of the ick and it'll help you be more open, I think, to this idea. And But the way that you can think about deepening relationships is there are tangible ways to deepen the interpersonal relationship and there are intangible ways. And I think what happens is we get stuck in the tangible, and that's what makes us feel weird. So tangible ways are the really obvious things, 
And a couple of examples that I'm going to give you as a tangible way to build an interpersonal relationship with someone at work is inviting them to a virtual coffee, which I know some of you love to do that and you're all about that and that's awesome. And some of you are like, hell to the no, right? And I see you. I see you. I totally see you. I know it can feel terrifying, right? But that's an example of a really tangible way to deepen a relationship. Another example of a tangible way to deepen a relationship, particularly with leaders and executives, is to offer them help. I think so often as women, we get into the trap of saying yes to a bunch of work that we don't actually want to do, that doesn't help you gain visibility, and isn't in service of your growth. And because we get so busy and bogged down with the crap work (laughs) that people are dumping on us, we totally forget that we can offer to jump in on things and help with things in a way that really helps us cultivate our own reputation and our growth. And one really powerful thing you can do is offer to help people that are more senior than you with something that they're doing. This can go really far. And I developed so much clout by helping executives who were not the executives on my team, who I did not report up into. And so they got to know me and they became my advocates because I would lean in more to what they were doing in a way that showed my support for them. And it was totally genuine because I helped with the things that I love helping with, right? So this is where the sliminess comes in. It doesn't have to be slimy. If you have something that you love doing and you realize that you could help someone, particularly a leader or an executive with it, and you offer to help them with the thing that you love helping with, you are not being a slime ball. You are having fun and allowing your generosity and your talents to be seen and witnessed and used and benefited from by that other person. And so the second tangible way is offering help. Now, these are things that I recommend you do. Even if they feel cringy and even if they feel terrifying, when you are ready and when you feel up for it and when it doesn't feel like too big of a leap to invite people to a virtual coffee or to ask if you can help someone, I highly suggest you do that. It'll grow your confidence. It will make you feel so powerful. It'll strengthen the interpersonal relationship. And if people say no, like if you invite someone to virtual coffee and they don't answer or they say no, that is a win in my book because I would rather invite 10 people to coffee and get one person to say yes than invite zero people to coffee and get zero people to say yes. So I think the fear of the no really gets in the way when it comes to these tangible ways of deepening relationships. But what I want to offer you is that the no is part of the yes. And there is no yes without no. And so the fear of the no is real and I get it. And yeah, it's terrifying. This shit is terrifying. I am with you on that. And it's not too terrifying for you to do if you decide that you want to do it. So those are the tangible ways to build relationships. But now I want to move into the intangible because this is actually more important. The intangible ways that you deepen your relationships have nothing to do with getting coffee on the calendar. 
They have nothing to do with these more outward, obvious ways of connecting people. And they have everything to do with the subtleties of how you're feeling and how you are acting when you are in conversation with the people around you. And what tends to happen when you feel afraid or insecure and no judgment on this, right? We all go through this, but it's really helpful to shine a light on it and understand it. What tends to happen when you feel fearful or insecure is you tend to close off and shut down, which means that when you're in conversation with people, you're not going to be showing as much of your personality. You're not going to be revealing as much about yourself. You're not going to be as you in the conversation. It's sort of like the difference between how you act with your closest friends when you're just like hanging out with them, having a good time, you know, the people that you love most, who love you, who you feel so comfortable around. It's the difference between that version of you and then the version of you that comes into a meeting at work. Now, I'm not saying that those versions need to be exactly the same, but the closer you can get, the more you can take steps in that direction the stronger your relationships will be. Because the more people see the true you, the more they will feel that they are connecting to you on a human-to-human level. And as a result, they'll feel more connected to you. And this can happen in small talk. This can happen on Slack. This can happen on meetings. It doesn't, the setting doesn't matter. What matters is how you're being and the energy that you're in and the openness that you have in that conversation. And what I love to think about here, especially when we think about like being masked and closed off versus connecting with people, is I love to think about the concept of vulnerability and specifically brave vulnerability. It requires so much bravery and so much vulnerability for you to show more of yourself, to be more you and more authentic than it does for you to have walls up. And I know when we have walls up, there's lots of reasons why we do, right? Like sometimes those walls are genuinely trying to protect us. But I would invite you to consider whether trying to show up with more vulnerability and more brave vulnerability might help you deepen your connections with the people around you. And showing yourself is how people get to know the heart and soul of who you are. And it is the heart and soul of who you are that drives relationships. It drives why we connect to each other as humans. It drives so much of the human experience. And it is so worth it to go on that journey of figuring out how to bring more of that out at work because not only is it gonna strengthen your relationships, which will strengthen your reputation, which will strengthen your career path, not only is that gonna happen, but you are going to feel less exhausted because you're not wearing a mask all the time, more confident because you're seeing that you can be yourself and people like it and respond positively to it. And most importantly, you're going to feel more nourished in your job because you're showing up as you. You're not showing up with this mask, so you are open to more joy, more fun, more spontaneity, because work is starting to become energetically more like hanging out with friends, right? And as that energy comes in for you, you will find you'll have more energy at work, you'll be having more fun, and your performance will be higher, and your reputation will be better. Literally, everything starts to get better. 
And so this idea of showing yourself being more authentic is wildly important and you can do it in little ways, right? If your coworkers are all talking about what they did over the weekend and you usually don't add in anything, maybe share one little thing, right? It doesn't have to be this big reveal where you're like opening up to people and like telling them your deepest, darkest secrets. It's tiny steps, right? Look for the tiny places where you can jump in. And I want to offer another way, another intangible way to deepen relationships. And it's a beautiful, beautiful starting point if you feel a bit self-conscious or a bit shy, or if it's hard for you to bring out your personality. And that way is to get curious about the other people and be genuinely curious and asking them questions about themselves from the place of wanting to sincerely get to know them. This is a beautiful way to connect without putting the focus on you. And it's a beautiful intermediate step to help you start connecting, help you see the workplace as a place to build relationships and help you get ready then to show more of yourself and to be more authentic at work. And it's so beautiful because people love talking about themselves and you get to connect without having to be in the spotlight, which can be a really nice way to ease into eventually being in the spotlight. And so I really want you to think about both the tangible ways, asking people for coffee, offering to help people, and the intangible ways, showing more of yourself, your true personality, and getting curious about other people. And I really want you to think about which of these you might want to start playing with first. And the spirit of all of the work that I do, and this is so, so, so important, is that whatever you choose to do next, choose a small step. Choose a step that is so small that you can't possibly fail to do it because that is the best way to go from zero to something, right? Like to go from stillness to being in motion, the best way is the tiniest possible step. Once you're in motion, it'll be easier to take bigger steps, but to get you in motion, the secret is let that first step be really straightforward and really simple and really tiny. And if you want a little bit of help from me in identifying that first tiny step, definitely download the free workbook, which is going to guide you to come up with those tiny action steps that you can begin taking and then you can choose just one and put it into action today. That's really important too when it comes to tiny steps, is you want to remove all time barriers and you want to notice when your brain's like, I'll take my tiny step tomorrow and just ask yourself, is there anything preventing me from taking a tiny step today? So that brings me to the end of part three, but this is certainly not the end of me talking about this. I already can feel that I have to do an episode on feeling like a used car salesman in developing relationships. There is so much to say there. I'm really excited to dive in, but I hope that this three-part series has opened up your mind and opened up your eyes to the fact that your professional reputation matters so much, and most importantly, to the fact that it's in your control, and it's in your control even if you don't feel 100% confident, even if you feel a bit shaky, these things aren't blockers. They might make it harder for you But hard does not equal impossible. That is one of my 
favorite things to come back to. This is hard, but not impossible. I love that so much. All right. If you want to get the workbook, which I really suggest you do, because the main thing that the workbook is going to do is one, it's going to help you get really clear on your head on what exactly to do next. And two, it's going to catalyze you into action in a way that this episode can't because the workbook will have you interacting with it. If you want to get the workbook, you can grab it in the show notes or head over to jessgazitcoaching.com slash professional reputation. You have to type it into your URL. I'll try to add that to my website, but for now, you just need to type it into the URL or just click the link in the show notes and you will find the workbook. It is super quick. It is super fun. It should take you about 20 minutes and get you focused and on the path. Woo! I feel so happy that I finished up this series and I hope that you loved it and I would love to hear from you and I would love to hear your feedback. So please feel free to reach out to me whenever you want to. I will put my IG handle and my email in the show notes. And if you're ready for one-on-one support, if you're ready to get really serious and make a bigger commitment to advancing your professional reputation and taking your career in the direction that you want to go, I would love to help you make that happen. And you can learn more about working with me one-on-one at justguzzitcoaching.com slash coaching. And I can also work with you through your employer. So if you have a team or you're part of a women's group and you're interested in training, coaching, or workshops, please send me a note, jessica at theartofspeakingup.com, and I would love to connect with you to see how I can help you. All right, I'm wishing you so much strength and so much inner power. And I just want to circle back to what I said at the beginning of this episode, which is that cultivating a powerful reputation can feel really tender when we have parts of us that feel shaky and doubtful and feel like we're not enough. And I think the topic of reputation can be really confronting. It can really make all of that come to the surface. And what I would want to invite you to consider is that while those feelings of unworthiness and not good enough While those feelings absolutely suck and they feel horrible and they require so much love and care and room and space and compassion to process, those feelings don't mean that you can't reach for the reputation that you want. So much of your power is in recognizing those feelings, recognizing that unworthiness and saying, I'm going to move forward anyway. And this is not to say those feelings will always be there. As you process and metabolize those feelings, they tend to hold less power over you over time. But if you do have those feelings, I just want to remind you that you are in control of what action you take, not those feelings. So make your choices of what actions you take based on what you want to do and not based on where those feelings of non-enoughness and unworthiness and imposter syndrome try to take you. That is probably the most powerful thing that I could possibly share with you when it comes to building confidence. And I believe it so much and it's so close to my heart because that's been my own journey of building my own confidence is learning to just hold all of those feelings, metabolize those feelings and move forward anyway and not allow me to block myself from the things I want in life, and from the sense of power and agency that I want to feel. All right, that wraps up this episode. 
Have the most beautiful, wonderful day. Get out there and start building the relationships. Start taking the steps to build your professional reputation. Download the workbook. Come up with your action items. Take the steps. Like Do the thing. I'm, I want you to get into action so badly because it's going to catalyze change for you. So I'm wishing you so much luck on that journey. And I'll catch you next week. Bye.